Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, 
you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me Undies, comfort from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. All right, baby Dawson is here. Uh, he is healthy. Mama Ashley is healthy. Everybody's doing well. Uh, the labor went well. And so Ashley is recovering right now. And uh, Dawson is doing well. Just wanted to give you an update. Thank you, everybody who's been asking. And um, uh, we're, we haven't slept, obviously. So we're going to eat, we're going to sleep. And um, we're very excited to. Uh, for you guys to see Dawson. I know that's so so weird, but uh, uh, I just wanted to give you an update. Everybody's doing well, everybody's healthy, and um, thumbs up. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and what a week it has been in our beloved game, and for us. Here at Game of Roses, we got some very exciting news about a book called How to Win the Bachelor. Huge week. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Pitt, guess what? We're a bestseller. A New York Times bestseller? No, we are a book scan hardcover nonfiction bestseller. We made this list at number 48. Congratulations, Clues. Congratulations, Pace Case. It is not a New York Times bestseller, but it is a bestseller. So we can now officially say mm -hmm. we are best selling authors. And if anyone probes further, we simply say nothing. We say. The infamous book scan hardcover nonfiction bestseller list, sir or madam or them? Well, what people may not know about the book scan service is it's run by a little company called Nielsen. That's the same company that delivers television ratings for our beloved game Ooh. and all of our TV shows. So we are officially in some kind of Nielsen rating system here for books. And, yes. you know, number 48 on that list, that ain't bad. We've done okay here, but we hope that we'll do even better. We hope that people are still out there snapping up copies of our book. And we hope that the people who do have them are enjoying them and that it's enriching the way you view our mm -hmm. beloved game. Thank you to everyone in the pit who helped us realize this dream of having, for my first book, being a bestseller. It's it's a great feeling and we really appreciate it. This, I think, is my second book to be a bestseller. I believe my first book was also a bestseller on some lists. It sold over 100,000 oh, copies. That's a lot. 100K Club. That's right. Congrats, Clues. Thank you very much. And now, let's move on to delivering everything that you have come to know and love about our Friday episode, which is this week in Bachelor Nation. We're going to give you all that juicy Bachelor Nation news. We're going to give you all those gains, all those parasocial plays. We got some of those screamed from that pit. But we're going to begin this week in Bachelor Nation with a very special segment. Usually, we start it with a state of the world or a state of the game. This week is something a little bit different. We've got two fantastic guests. Wild card, bitches. Whoa. <laughs> That's a line from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for clearing that up. Just in case anyone out there thought this was a direct insult to you as someone who's listening to the show. Nope. I would never use it as a derogatory term. Only a quote from another piece of media. Only a fun, life-affirming way. Yes, I agree. And now, in an effort to be even more life-affirming, we are about to have an interview with two luminaries in the current world of Bachelor coverage. We are going to dig deep into their fandom and have some conversations about how they feel about the show. And we are very proud now to present a very special segment that we call Welcome to the Pit. Today, we are humbled, we are honored to have with us in the pit the hosts of the She's All Batch podcast, Stephanie Parker and Jackie Maroney. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We are pumped. Yeah, thank you for having us. So excited. Our pleasure. I mean, we really think what you guys are doing, you're like pillars in what is this burgeoning Bachelor coverage world right now. The guests that you're getting on your podcast are insane. Your podcast hasn't even been around for that long, right? October of last year. And you've already interviewed Jillian Anderson, Erica Rose, Courtney Robertson, Krista Whitney, Chad Johnson, Kirkus Sudik, Amber James, Liz Sandoz, Clay Harbor, Luke Pell, Chris <laughs> Bukaski, Liv McGreedy, and even Ben Higgins, Bachelor Season 20, the, the crowning jewel of your interview slate so far. And all of that is very impressive. But... Obviously, before we get to that, we have to learn how did any of this happen? When did you get into The Bachelor? What was your first season watching? When did it take hold of you? It took hold of me during Jake Pavelka's season. I remember when I was watching the breakup special between him and Vienna. I was like, this is the greatest television I've ever watched. And that still holds true today. Like For those who have not watched it, you could still find it on YouTube. It is like the best television I've ever watched. And I've been hooked ever since. I also thought um, like him and Vienna, I was very naive because I was very young. Um, I thought him and Vienna were going to go to the distance. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's <laughs> so lucky. She's set for life. She's married to a pilot. He's so great. I like truly believed in the, <laughs> the magic back yeah. then. And a lot's changed since, but... Wait, the breakup special didn't change your uh, your opinion of that? <laughs> Before, when she got engaged, I watched the finale and I was like, oh my God, she's yeah. so lucky. Mine, mine was totally different. I, Stephanie always makes fun of me because I think I'm more of a Bachelor noob. I don't know the classics. Mm. Um, so I remember watching as a kid, Trista's season, like with my mom, and we were very invested in that. And then I yeah. never was really into it. Um, even when it was the most popular, I didn't, I have watched these seasons now, like Ben Higgins, Nick Vial season, but I wasn't watching it when everyone was really, um, obsessed when I think Bachelor was in its prime. I didn't get into it until t- Ari season was the first season I watched because I had wow. to do it for, cause mm. I had to do it for work. I was working at a job at the time. Um, Pluto TV was a streaming service that ended up being bought by Viacom. I was working for them and they were looking for original programming that, was like tapping into fandoms. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure people are obsessed with this. Maybe we should do something about The Bachelor. And I so badly wanted to get involved in like front of camera things, like interviewing people. I'm, I'm like a former theater kid. So yeah. Um, so that, yeah, we started doing a show with them for Ari season and I love doing it. Did that for a few seasons. Then when that stopped, did a podcast and then eventually stopped doing that. And then Stephanie reached out to me to start this podcast and the rest mm-hmm. is history, kind of. Are you a big Lion Dyke head? Do you watch all of their YouTube videos? Oh, God. 
Okay, I would be lying if I said I didn't watch maybe 65% of their YouTube videos, but I don't really <laughs> like to... <laughs> I don't really like them, if that makes sense. But yet I'm still clicking. What? So. <laughs> How dare you? Those are some of the finest produced vlogs I have ever seen, certainly within the nation, <laughs> within uh, players. I mean, if you compare them to like Tyler Cameron's shirtless steak eating in the backyard videos that look like no production value, no forethought <laughs> is put into any of them. These things are masterpieces. The Lion Dyke catalog, I believe will go down in history as kind of the blueprint for how to do the parenting vlogging with the SpawnCon SpawnCon. For sure. No, they definitely do a good job with that. Do they have like a camera crew that comes over? How is it such high quality? Yeah, I think they have a, a producer who shows up. Oh, wow. Okay. All of that. It is so good, though. I mean, I remember deep pandemic just watching like a Leslie Lyondex like birthday video. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this child is thriving. <laughs> yeah. I had to I had to unfollow Lauren. Like following Lauren just made me feel so awful about myself. Like she, I feel like she is like one of the prettiest people to ever be on the show. And there, and you know, she she makes her life appear very very like polished and perfect. So there are times where I'm like, nah, I can't I can't follow this girl anymore. Yeah, yeah I, I think Alessi's birthday party was fancier than any birthday party <laughs> I've yeah. had in my entire life. So. Of course. And she's what, three? Yeah. yeah. So. But she also had 350,000 Instagram followers the day she was born. Right, right. And that is the the power of kind of these parasocial juggernauts as parents. They give you that parasocial inheritance so that on your day one, you're already way ahead of the game from most normal human beings. Yeah. When do you think, though, they're going to give the Instagram accounts to the kids? Like, at what time does that transition happen? Yeah. Because I think it's so interesting. Yeah. It's like the modern day when the parents save up money in a bank account for you and give it to you at, like, your your uh, 18th birthday. We're like, here you go. Here's your Instagram account, Alessi. Clues and I have been discussing when, because the twins have a joint account. We're like, when do the twins separate? Who gets the True. account? <laughs> and who has to be the offshoot? That's even more complicated. Yeah, I didn't think of that one. But that's going to be messy. Because that's literally money. I mean, it sounds like joking and it sounds kind of kooky and whatever, but whoever gets that account out of those two kids will be able to make a living off that account well into their early 20s, yeah. I would guess, until Instagram decays into complete irrelevance. But um, you guys were talking about how this kind of all started. How did you actually meet? You just reached out, Stephanie, to Jackie and said, hey. No. So I started the account, She's All Batch, um, in 20, well, 2019, right before Colton season. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if those are the right dates. I'm pretty sure it was 2019. Um, and the account took off. And I don't know, like a year or so later, Jackie was hosting. Yeah, yeah I don't remember the exact timeline, but I, I had reached out to Stephanie to be a guest on my old podcast that I did before She's All Batch. So we met, we literally recorded one episode together and, and I think like hit it off, like we had a good rapport, we're funny. And then didn't speak again until she reached out to do this podcast, which is kind of crazy. So she interviewed me as just the girl behind She's All Batch. Mm -hmm. That was like what the interview was. So I knew that she had podcasting experience. And then all of last year, I'm like, I really want to do uh, like a podcast. Like I was doing TikToks and I feel like a lot of the, I was doing um, random bachelor facts on TikToks and every single one I would do would do really, really well. And I'm like, I have all this bachelor knowledge. I would love to share it. It seems like people are interested. I don't know how to start a podcast though. And I knew that Jackie did. And when we, I called her to pick her brain, not even to like, we weren't thinking to work together. I called her like, Hey, am I stupid to even start this? Like, what is the work level here? Like, what do I need to do? 
and we started talking. And literally by the end of the conversation, we decided that we were going to team up and that both of us had like what the other person didn't have. Like I had the platform of She's All Batch. She had all the knowledge of actually creating the podcast. So we kind of joined forces there and it was like the perfect storm. That's beautiful. No, it really was. Cause you caught me at a perfect time too, where I was, I had stopped doing my older podcast. Cause I was kind of getting frustrated with it. I'm like, I know I can make good content. I know I'm funny, but I, I don't have the platform or the energy. Cause I was working a full-time job to like get this off the ground. Cause as I'm sure you guys know, it's so much work. I don't know how I could do it as one person. Like, I think you need two people really to even kind of do this. And it's still kind of crazy. So I knew I wanted to continue doing content. I just didn't know how or what that would look like. And then Stephanie called me and was with an idea. And I was like, yeah, I've been looking for, um, like an, another project, something to do. Cause I love making things. So, yeah, that's fascinating. And you guys have obviously hit the ground running mm-hmm. how, I mean, we did that list of the people that you've interviewed. How did you get access to all those people basically immediately? So, um, Chris Jenner says, if someone tells you, no, you're talking to the wrong person. So you just mm-hmm. ask, like we literally would just, I would just DM people and say like, Hey, would you want to come talk to us? Mm-hmm. And I mean, most people say yes. Should I spill the tea about JPJ or should I not? Yes, yeah. you should. I think you should. Cause it's pretty outrageous. <laughs> okay. I think it is too. If I may ask when you reached out to JPJ, was this before or after jibber jabber with JPJ was a podcast? <laughs> Oh God. Well, it was, it was the other day. So I don't know after when Jibber then. Jabber came out. I've never heard of it. It was after. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know if he's still doing it. I doubt it. But, um, so like you said, we've had a lot of bachelor alums on, uh, our current episode has Olivia Caridi and she spilled like really, really good tea. We had Ben Higgins, who's now we call a friend of the show. Um, so, I mean, when I reached out to JPJ, I'm like, okay, like, you know, we've had bigger stars than JPJ and his um, like agent or his publicist wrote me back and asked what our budget was because he requires a flat fee. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't have a budget for guests. Every single guest has come on because they want to share their story, connect with fans or, you know, promote something or, you know, just talk about their experience. No one has brought up a flat fee. Ben actually wrote me. Like, I, we didn't even go after Ben. I didn't think yeah. we'd ever get someone like Ben. Yeah, he wrote me. Whoa, that's fantastic. That's kind of an interesting story, too. And we don't have to tell all of it. But he had heard about us. I guess he was getting DMs from people that we were talking about him on the podcast. And he was like, what are these girls saying about me? What's going on? And I guess listened to one episode and was like, I'd like to come on and, and talk about these things with you guys. So that's incredible. Now we're best friends. <laughs> yeah. We're obviously very tongue in cheek. Like we're, we're sure. snarky and tongue in cheek, but like everything is lighthearted and fun. But I think Ben kind of wanted to be a part of the joke a little bit. So that's why we call him now friend of the show, Ben Higgins, because he's a friend of the show, old friend. But you guys are, I mean, you're tongue in cheek and you're funny, but you also get really good shit. Like I, the interview you did with Kristen Whitney, mm-hmm. where she was talking about uh, how they basically forced scallop fingers on her and that she could only eat scallops when she's in paradise and stuff. That really oh, yeah. is, I think, mm-hmm. speaking to the the real heavy manipulation that producers do, how much they control these people's lives when they're in this situation. And it's like, you know, maybe because mm-hmm. of your your comedic talents, you have the ability to put people off guard a little bit or at ease and they're, they more freely open up about this kind of stuff. But I'm curious, what was JPJ's fee? Did you ever find out how much money he was asking to do this? Oh, no, <laughs> no, 
You know what's so funny? The fact that she didn't name the fee makes me feel like if I came back and said like, oh, we could pay this, like anything I would have said, yeah, she would have been like, okay, that's fine. But the fact that she didn't name the fee, like, okay. We're not that desperate to get JPJ. We would love to talk to him, but I think it's funny out of every single person that we've gotten on the show, Mm -hmm. uh, no one has requested a fee. Oh, yeah. We uh, will definitely be paying you both your fee. That'll be coming uh, shortly (laughs) in your accounts. (laughs) Well, what's your budget for the fee, though? I need to make sure. It's right around the amount that you want to be paid, I guess, or less. (laughs) Perfect. I have, in my strange fandom of this game, you know, I've reached out to some players here and there to try and collect various artifacts from within the game or art pieces or whatever. Mm -hmm. Recently... I've been in a discourse with someone. I sent them a DM about this a long time ago, is all I will say, when the thing I was trying to acquire was relevant. And it's not even a big thing. I recently got a DM back from this person saying, how much would you be willing to pay for this? And I said, whatever the amount was, which I thought was okay. And I just got a one line back that said, no shot. And then I said, how much are you looking for? And uh, nothing back yet. What is this thing? <laughs> I'm so curious. And what? who is the person? We told you JPJ. Come on. Jesus Christ. I don't know if I should say this because I still might have a shot at getting this. Let me see real quick. What's the money that you offered? $500. Wait, so this is just a random like something from the show that's memorable? Uh, to some people. Oh, this message was seen Sunday. Hmm. So they're not coming back. You're done. If they haven't responded since Sunday. Here's my guess for what it is. Is it Blake Moynes' sperm painting? No, I would pay $10,000 for that. <laughs> Wait, can you give us clues? How far back are we going? I'm, I'm very invested in this. It's within the last five years. It was an item that was basically a trophy that was won on a group date. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Is it the squirrel thing? Oh, God, no. It's not that. It's not that. We, look, we don't need to get into this. If I get the item... <laughs> the golden acorn. You'll know what it is. It's not the golden acorn. Okay. If I get the item, you'll know what it is. We'll see if I get it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> have you guys ever been a part of any other fandoms? Or is Bachelor like the deepest you've gone into something? Bachelor's definitely the deepest I've gone. But I mean, I've been obsessed with a lot of other... Like I used to work for... Um, like Life and Style and Touch Weekly, like all the um, celebrity mm-hmm. tabloid mm-hmm. stuff. So I was very much into um, pop culture in general. I was obsessed with like the hills and that whole world. Yeah, I guess define fandom. Do you watch other other reality shows? Yeah, Kardashians. I mean, but I'm not like in the fandom in which that I, I don't know, I wouldn't go like stand online for 10 hours to meet Kim Kardashian, but I'm... Th- very invested in their life and the news that goes on with them. I like them. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, reality TV in general. Yeah, I feel like I'm just, I wouldn't say I'm like a fandom person, but I'm someone who can get very easily excited about a lot of things if other people are also excited. You know what I mean? Like a Game of Thrones, a Harry Potter. Yeah. um, And equally reality TV. You know, I just think it's fun. And what do you think of the fandom? of our beloved game of The Bachelor. You now are in it deep. Like you're you're in it at a level that <laughs> yeah. most normal fans are not. You're doing a mm-hmm. podcast about it. You're talking to players in the game. You're talking to bachelors. Uh what have what has been your experience basically as you're kind of 
wading further into the deepest waters of this fandom. I'm always surprised by the fact that people don't see through the show. That's exactly what I was going to say. No way. (laughs) I always have to remind myself and Jackie, like sometimes when we talk about certain things, if we think it's obvious, I'm like, but is it obvious? There's a lot of people that don't get why, you know, Clayton just kept uh, Shanae, like we just talked about when you guys came on our podcast. Like people be like, this is ridiculous. Why do you keep her? And I'm like, guys, come on. Well, really? We don't know this yet? Like that stuff always surprises me. Um, And how invested they get to the point where they need to harass people if you have a differing opinion. Like Jackie openly Mm. says that she thinks that Michelle should have chosen Brandon. And I, because I run the She's All Badge Instagram account, I get like hate messages saying that (laughs) Michelle is happy and what's wrong with you? You want her to be miserable? And I'm like, bro, it's just someone's opinion. Like they can have a differing opinion. You want her to be miserable. It's insane. (laughs) That's funny because I used to run our social media and I would get the angry messages about things Clues would say. I'd be like, Clues... They're not going to like yeah. that. They're not going to like that. <laughs> but I, I agree with what you're saying, Stephanie. It's just like, we're watching a TV show that is basically pro wrestling. None of this shit is real. Mm-hmm. It's mainly scripted by the producers. And we can have opinions that may be funny or whatever about any of this. And I, I always find it very strange that people get like that angry about it. But that is, I think, part and parcel of this fandom. I've never really seen a fandom quite like this before where... The fictional story that's being told on screen can produce real emotions where you're getting like death threats and just mean and nasty messages and stuff sent. And I know that that's not the majority of the fandom of what we call the fourth audience, but it certainly is in large enough percentage that it affects anyone who who puts out any media about The Bachelor. Like you guys are saying, you're getting hate messages. We get them too. And I I can't imagine what somebody who has like a million or two million followers, like actual players in the game, what they get to see what you're talking about. Clayton Eckerd issuing this apology this week Mm -hmm. uh, to not only Elizabeth, but to kind of the the Bachelor Nation as a whole for having made the wrong choice. And he didn't know to have to do that or to even feel that you have to do that. I can't imagine what's in his inbox. Oh, God. And like to say, I'll do better next time. Like, who doesn't know that the producers told him to make every decision that he made? Who is going after him, yelling at him for for keeping Shanae and sending Elizabeth home? Like, who is getting that angry about it? Who doesn't know that this was all pre-planned? Lots of people, it turns out. (laughs) Lots of people. Yeah. I think there's something within the fandom that is like, it is fun or there's a, a level of entertainment around being mad at someone and that's usually your villain but the villain can switch to the bachelor if the bachelor doesn't suss out the villain fast enough if it's like we see Mm -hmm. who the villain is why don't you see who the villain is now you're our villain i think that's a part of the enjoyment of the show like the roller coaster of emotions is like yes you're in it for the love story but you also want to hate someone at some point and see them you know eliminated from the game basically Mm -hmm. yeah i'm so curious what the reaction would be if say like Nick Vial's season was airing now, like what the reaction would be to a Corinne Olympios, you know, would Nick Vial be getting all these death threats? Like, would she have been forced to go home earlier? I just think the treatment of the villain has changed so much. But I think sometimes the villains have gotten so much nasty. Like, I think Corinne would never say some of the things that we're hearing Shanae say. Like, I think it's just gotten progressively more intense back then. I feel like it was so innocent and so 
casual. Did you guys, well, I was going to say, I remember back in the day, tweets being like, um, like people were shocked that Corinne was kept. It's the same kind of thing. Like they don't understand why you're keeping the villain. But did you guys uh, listen to the Patreon interview with Nick and Corinne? No, I have not heard it yet. Oh. Because Corinne herself didn't know. Like she, Nick, pretty much, it's like one of the best interviews. Not like I want to plug Nick Vial's Patreon, but um, Nick basically had to tell her in the interview, like, I kept you because I was told to. And she's like, wait, what What do you mean? Like, she, like, for the first time learns on this, on this interview that, like, she was the villain and the producers wanted to meet the nanny. And in order to meet the nanny, she had to make it to hometowns. Like, it was pretty crazy that she didn't know either. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's something that I always think about is, like, how much are producers like finding willing players and say like Vial was obviously a willing player from Andy Dorfman's season. They knew that immediately. And he's like, I'm here. Tell me what you need me to do. And I will do it because he was playing the game. I think the greatest game player of all time. But then to see like someone like Corinne Olympios, who was also a fantastic player, didn't even really know that the producers were manipulating her. That's fascinating to me. Not that she didn't know the producers were manipulating her. She thought that she and Nick had a genuine connection. Like she thought she made it to hometowns because he wanted like she had a shot at being a, a ring winner. Mm-hmm. Is that the, that's our lingo. Yeah. yeah. So she had a yeah. shot at winning that ring and she never had that shot. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking fascinating. I'm going to have to listen to all of those now. It's been like on my list of things to do and I'm just like, put it off, put it off. <laughs> How do you both see your role in Bachelor Nation right now? I would like to think, I mean, maybe people will have differing opinions. I would like to think that we in a way, are part of the collective show outside the show. I mean, I think we talk about on our podcast that, you know, we do now have a segment now where we recap the episode. But when we first started, we didn't. Um, You know, we just kind of added that in. But we're not really a recap podcast. We're talking about and covering what we call the show outside the show, which is what's going on on the internet, Mm -hmm. what's going on in the real world. How are these people kind of... uh, progressing in the real world and who are they meeting up with and kind of what's going on there. And I think people consume the show as much as they consume all of that stuff. So I would like to think we're just part of the greater entertainment experience, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. people will disagree with that. But that's what I would like for us to be. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think people would disagree with that. I think the, another role is that we're saying what everyone's thinking. That used to be like my bio on She's All Batch. Like, cause people would say that about the memes that I would make and the stuff that we're saying on the episodes, like we will share what's going on, what we find on social media, like who's liking who, like we uncovered a bachelor couple that now is in Us Weekly, Chris Bukowski and Anna Redmond. Like that wasn't out there before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're making commentary and pretty much saying what you're thinking anyway, but we're actually just saying it out loud. Um, yeah. So I would like to think we have an, a part of the entertainment of the franchise, but... what I think a lot of people too um, will say they're Bachelor fans and they'll watch the seasons and be more invested in certain seasons than others, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people will keep watching to continue to be able to read recaps on, on Tuesday or to be able to continue in like the conversation back when we all went to work in offices, like... They would still watch the show, even though they didn't care, so that they knew what people were talking about on Tuesday. I think there's like a whole outer... That's the sport of it, for sure. Yeah, no, exactly. It's exactly. like football or baseball or anything else. But I mean, do you guys consider yourselves journalists? I mean, I, I was. So yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> yeah, you guys are, though. Like, whether you consider yourselves that or not, you're con- 
you're contributing journalistic media that is covering this show. These interviews you're doing are like... Yeah, Bukowski, Redman. <laughs> I mean, Huge. no, but like Ben Higgins or the the one that we were talking about with Scallop Fingers. Like, and I know that that doesn't sound very journalistic, but it it is, you know? Like, that's part of the canon now, these things that you guys are uncovering. That's my favorite True. interview I think I've done is the Kristen Whitney one. I, I really mm. liked that one. Um, and yeah, no, I mean... I have a degree in journalism. I, I, my whole career has been entertainment journalism. So yeah, I've, I have experience with um, celebrity uh, interviews. I didn't do that many. Um, I did Chris Bukowski before the podcast. And then on the podcast, I interviewed Emily Maynard, I think Sean Lowe, a couple of them. So I have experience mm. with that. Um, this has been so much better than my quote unquote real career before this because like to have the creative freedom to do anything you want and have no overhead telling you to do it a certain way or do it at this time. Or it's just been so much more freeing. And I feel like Jackie and I are both very creative people, but both have like different, our brains work in two different ways though, too. And that we see things different ways. So it's nice to kind of have that collaboration that we can really do anything we want with this. So that, that's been really cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Oh, I love that part about it too. I agree as yeah. well. The, <laughs> the creative freedom. We, we come from writing network TV comedies primarily, but I've written a bunch of studio movies and other books and stuff. That's so cool. But similarly in those environments, there is no creative freedom. It's right. like, here's mm-hmm. this, this thing I want to make, or you, you sell a script that you wrote on spec. The first thing that happens is you get a check and then you get a a phone call full of notes. Here's how you have to change that for mm-hmm. us now that we own it. That's the first thing that happens. And in this weird podcast, Wild West world, like that person doesn't exist. Nobody's giving you the notes. I love it. Yeah. Well, the notes are the uh, comments. People give their <laughs> feedback for sure. I wish, why don't you do it this way? Like, why don't you do it this way? Why didn't you do this? Like, that's, do you want to make your own podcast then? Well, which is why I also too. I don't like, I don't like to consider us journalists. I like to think of it more of like, we're just here as entertainers entertaining and talking about the show because people will comment all the time be like, why did you say this? I think it was actually like this. Or why are you saying this thing? You don't have confirmation that it's a hundred percent true. And it's like, yeah, I never said it was like, we're just talking about the show as fans. Sure. I, and I feel that that's what we do as well. But mm-hmm. the the fact remains like you're amassing this body of work however long you guys are going to do this podcast for, I would assume years, you're going to have this body of uh, interviews that are going to be like, I think they already are incredibly important to like the historical record of the examination of this thing as a piece of pop culture, as how it reflects American culture and all of that. So you may not perceive yourselves as journalists or whatever you do or you don't. I don't know. But like you are. I I think the stuff you're contributing is, is vastly important. That's so nice. In the Game of Roses <laughs> list of journalists, we'll put you in there. The official list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll be out later this year. <laughs> Can I get a copy of the list? <laughs> oh, yeah. Trophies. <laughs> we'll have everything. Nice. <laughs> we love giving awards. <laughs> Perfect. If either of you could press a button that erases The Bachelor from existence, would you do it? No. No, I don't think I would either. Wait, why would you? No. The context of that question is The Bachelor is incredibly problematic, obviously, and has caused a lot of people a vast amount of pain and suffering. Right. Okay. Well, wait, say it like that. We sound like awful people for saying no, but we also wouldn't have this job. Yeah. Well, (laughs) gotcha. Here's the context. (laughs) Yeah. The context for us is, I mean, this is something that we talk on our show a lot about is like, 
is kind of reality TV, modern reality TV culture, good or bad at large for America, for the world, after it has delivered us Donald Trump as a president? And uh, I always like to ask this question because it's an interesting one to me. It's like, I do love this fucking show. I love the game of it. Like when night one's about to happen, I don't get more up in my life for anything (laughs) than that night one. Yet I know what it represents and what it's doing to American culture as you're having now entire generations who have grown up watching this show that promotes racism, misogyny, homophobia, all these horrible things. It's like, are we better off without it if it has never existed? Maybe, but also that night one, like I need that heroin pumped straight into my veins, you know, I can't. (laughs) Well, I think also too, like if, um, if the show didn't exist, all of those problematic issues that you just listed would be still prevalent in our society and come out in other ways, right? Like the bachelor is not going, the bachelor going away is not going to cure all of those problems, if that makes sense. Which is why I would not vote to get rid of it. <laughs> That's what I also think about. Like, if you were to remove like all of the progressive podcasts or li- or viewers of The Bachelor, it would still exist. You just wouldn't have people asking for it to change. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us and telling us about the history of your podcast. We also can't thank you enough for what you are doing. And again, what we see as this really growing community of people who are having these conversations with other players who are rendering their opinions about what this show is or isn't or what it should be or could be and all that stuff. And we love listening to your show. Please, everybody else out there, She's All Batch. If you haven't checked it out, you absolutely must listen to it, especially that, for me anyway, the Kristen Whitney interview. It's just like... It's so good. you, You can't believe what she's saying in it. That she's just openly divulging how these producers were like, you're gonna be scallop fingers now. Fuck you. You wanna eat something else? (laughs) No, you're eating scallops. (laughs) But honestly, I feel like a lot of people have been that candid though. Like we openly say, like, tell us a scene that was fake. I know, I think we may have spoken about this, but Liz from Nick's season, um, Mm. the one, the Jaden Tanner's wedding, Liz, the one that slept Mm. with him. The doula. Yes, we had, yes, we had her on as well. And she was the one that like, um, kind of was Kristen Whitney's um, like confidant on The Bachelor mm-hmm. season. And they both told the exact same story about um, a scene where they're both sitting outside by the pool and it just keeps cutting back from one to the other, from yeah. one to the other. They both told me that um, they did not have that conversation. That conversation was with a producer who switched sides. Yeah, And they saw, like, one producer was sitting over there. Kristen saw Liz having the conversation. And then the pr- same producer would pull, hey, Kristen, come here. And she's like, oh, yeah, sit over here. And then mm-hmm. sat on the other side. Then she's like, okay, so tell me about blah, 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 whatever. And I, what I'm confused about is, like, your conversation, like, it was um, Liz telling Kristen that she slept with Jaden Tanner's wedding. But she was saying that anyway. So, like, why didn't you just say, like, hey, girls, can you sit down and have this conversation? Like, why did the producer feel the need to meddle that much? Because you probably could have gotten that conversation anyway. I think, I mean, I have I have multiple comments to make about what you've just said. One <laughs> is the work that you guys are doing, I think, is important, like drastically important because of exactly those types of things. I remember that Kristen Whitney interview, her saying that, that that whole scene was manufactured. And so now we are through a certain threshold that is like, if that's manufactured to that level where they can cut two people together who were not even in the same room to have a conversation that never took place, what else can they do? And how many conversations that we see are manufactured? It's like, you guys are chipping away 
at the facade of any of it being real. And once again, once you're hitting these key marks of like, okay, we now know they can create something that never happened. Mm-hmm. So you have to be watching every scene as though that is a possibility. And I think that that overall helps people understand just how fake all of this is, which is necessary uh, in a world where like increasingly we don't know what real news even is or what real images even are. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah. that is important. But I think the reason the producers did it is because the producers... Uh, above everything else, crave control and power. For sure. They must be in control of every situation. And when they can control it to that degree, they will every time because I think they enjoy it. I, I agree. And you know what's funny? So we just had Olivia on um, and she was just sharing a lot about like conversations with Ben that they would take like half of the conversation and purposely put like crazy music over it to make her look a certain way. But something she told us uh uh, episode that was set up to make her look bad and make it look like Ben didn't like her. She's like, we had the best conversation. Like we were totally vibing at this point in the season. Um, it shows that she gets the rose last, but she's like, if you watch, you see him hand me the rose and then he bends down to go pick up the next one because she's like, I got the rose like second in that rose ceremony. He was yes. very much liking mm. me. I went back. I just lo- I just watched it earlier today and I'm like, holy shit. He hands her the rose and literally goes to bend down and pick it up again. But like, if you don't realize that you're not picking up on that type of stuff. And all the rose ceremony orders are a determined from the beginning. So when they're shooting them, they tell the bachelor or bachelorette yeah. what order they're going to give them out. But then in editing, they can go back and bury somebody. Like they did that to Susie Evans, I think this week. They had her getting the sixth rose when I'm sure in reality, whether they they convinced him to give it to her sixth or not, she probably got the first or second rose. Mm-hmm. And they're also kind of burying her in the edit or disappearing her from the edit, I think specifically to make the fourth audience be like, well, she's not going to win. She's not in the show very much. Yeah. Right. But we all know the truth. We don't actually know. We're spoiled free. But we saw her Instagram. Like, she's not going to be the next Bachelorette? Come on. Oh, wait, what? I didn't see it. What? Just look at her Instagram. Just her pictures. Her her persona. Oh, okay. I thought, like, did she announce something? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the ring winner. We don't know next Bachelorette or anything. But we have high, high degrees of confidence in our, <laughs> our ability to analyze her Instagram. But again, thank you both so much for joining us. Yes, um, thank you. Yes. Absolute pleasure as always. And I would love to, at any future time, continue this conversation because I think you guys are seriously doing some of the best coverage out there, journalistic <laughs> or not, whatever you like. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> thank you so much. And let's keep in touch. And you guys should check out, uh, we chatted with these guys on our podcast and talked about all Clayton's last episode and check them out on our podcast as well. They, we had so much fun having you guys on. Yeah, where where can everyone find you? You can find me at She's All Batch across all platforms. I don't have um, like personal stuff. I just don't care to. Good move. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a personal Facebook for like my real life, but like Instagram and all that jazz. Well, you can follow me. <laughs> I'm at Jackie Moreau <laughs> underscore. Check it out. This has been so fun. Yeah, thanks again. And we will talk to you guys soon. We cannot thank Stephanie Parker and Jackie Maroney enough for joining us. That was a fantastic interview. We were on their show, She's All Batch, earlier this week. Definitely go check that out and check out all of their episodes. They're absolutely fantastic. And I really hope that we get to talk to them again soon about everything that's going down in the nation. Yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it. We spent big money to get them on, as you know. So (laughs) (laughs) we have not yet paid anyone to be a guest. 
Not yet. Full transparency. Yeah, but who knows what can happen in the future. But now it is time for us to move on to that next segment of our program in which we discuss the ratings for our beloved game as well as the Instagram and TikTok movements of all of the highest, best-rated players in the current season of our beloved game. This is... This Week in Games. Fueled by the mystery of the Bystander Banquet, the precision of Rachel Recchia's flawlessly played one-on-one, the raw brutality of the forced violence group date, and the building villainy of Shanae Ankney, our beloved game saw a slight increase in the ratings this week. Monday's offering was up about 4% in the demo at a 0.8 and up a similar margin in raw viewers at 3.59 million. These numbers were enough to edge out Fox's Lone Star for the top spot across the four broadcast networks on Monday night. Also premiering this week was the first episode of Fox's Dirty Dancing competition show, their second attempt this year to create any interest for their reality slate after the dismal first few weeks of the Joe Millionaire reboot has failed to spark any meaningful viewership. The strangely premised reality dating competition features dancers reenacting scenes from a 35-year-old movie called Dirty Dancing, and the reason we're covering it is because one of those dancers is none other than the greatest male Instagram player of all time, Tyler Cameron. But not even his 2.1 million Instagram followers or his dimples could draw any attention to this dead-on-arrival show that drew a paltry 0.2 rating with 1.5 million total viewers. So Bachelor is in the rating, it is quadrupling it. And in the raw viewers, it is over doubling it. The show is an abysmal failure. I gotta say, there is one question that really sticks out to me after seeing that Tyler Cameron is on this Dirty Dancing show. And that is, who is Tyler Cameron's manager and what are they doing? I have the same question. Whoever's representing him, whoever's telling him like, no, it's a good idea. You should do this. I, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> a good idea to do this show. The The premise is a broken premise no. that they're just reenacting scenes from this old movie. Again, the movie is 35 years old. I know it's a classic and all of that, but who cares? And we're seeing about 1.5 million people cared about the first episode. I think that number is going to significantly decrease in episode two. He probably has more people watching his Instagram stories than are watching this show. He has 2.1 million followers. There's only 1.5 million people that watch this show. (laughs) It's astounding to me that he... I mean, ultimately, these choices are his. His his management team, his agents can be telling him they think it's a good idea Mm -hmm. or they don't. These choices are his. And he is completely mishandling all of it. His book didn't do that well when it came out. His YouTube channel has kind of floundered. He is not parlaying his fame that was generated from within the game into anything meaningful. He was in the the dollhouse dog show, making do- uh, houses for dogs. I just really feel like he's purposely not being The Bachelor, but I think that is the move. Of course. That is his biggest and best move right now is to be the next Bachelor. And I don't know if producers are approaching him about that, but he should approach them. He should make that call right now and say, hey, I want to be the next Bachelor. It would be gigantic. That season would be huge. And I think it would potentially catapult him to 3 million followers. And I think from there then, hopefully he gets enough steam to do something meaningful with this fame. I also don't 
it doesn't feel to me like he knows what he wants to do. He's just kind of accepting all mm. offers. Like, yeah, I'll do this dog show. I'll try a YouTube channel. I'll have a, a book. Can somebody ghostwrite that with me? Cool. Oh, a dirty dancing show. Yeah, I like to dance. Okay, I can do that. He needs to have a goal here. Like, what does he want out of this with his fame other than just doing Spawn Con? Does he want to try and parlay this into an acting career? Does he want to parlay it into some kind of on-camera job? It seems like he does because he's doing that like a host or something. He just mm -hmm. needs to be a little more targeted about this. This, I mean, this was just a big miss. And I think this show is going to get, in terms of ratings, even worse. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry irritated skin and that about 85 percent of the united states uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine that's where canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier canopy is dermatologist recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists... Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my... <laughs> um, <laughs> 
which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. And speaking of crowns, Clayton Eckert, our current crown, has gained 11,000 Instagram followers this week, bringing him to 172K total. Good job, Clayton. That ain't bad. That's a pretty good gain. Yeah, it's better than, it's more than double what he got last week. And perhaps due to his Twitter apology note, which we will discuss later, his Twitter followers have gone up and he is now 11.5K as of today, February 3rd, 2022. His TikTok is up 83 followers from last week. So now he has 99 followers total. Knocking at the door of that 100 follower club. Can't wait to see it. The only video he's posted so far on that TikTok, I think, is just a thing of him lifting weights. You got to be doing pizza reviews, dude. You have to be eating pizza on your TikTok and telling us what you like about the pizzas. Please, please, please. Your audience is probably 95% women, Clayton. The weightlifting, I wouldn't go with. (laughs) Well, we'll see what... Eckerd winds up doing with his TikTok. But now let's move on to the top five gains chart for the players of Bachelor Season 26. This is since January 27th, 2022. Our top five gains chart. The gold medal in gains this week goes to the 32-year-old real estate advisor from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. We're talking about Elizabeth Corrigan. She gained 25.3 thousand <laughs> followers, bringing her to 38.8K total for her IFI, her tier play, her swan song exit bump. And her amazing parasocial play this week, which again, we shall get to. The silver medal in gains goes to the 25-year-old flight instructor from Claremont, Florida, Rachel Recchia. That was me trying to Yeah, you. it's nice. I like it. She, <laughs> she gained 14.7K followers for her Love Level 1, Loaded Love Level 2, Heartbreak PTC, her Pace Case MVP status, bringing her to 35.5K total. And the bronze medal in gains goes to the 30-year-old ICU nurse from the Denver High, Gabriella Gabby Windy. She gained 5.6K followers for her colorful narration and tear play, bringing her total to 21.5K. And fourth place goes to... 28-year-old jiu-jitsu enthusiast slash pageant queen slash wedding videographer slash possible AI from Virginia Beach, Susie Evans. She gained 5.3K this week despite remaining in the Evans chamber for most of the document, bringing her to 53.8K total. That's unbelievable. She wasn't even in the show. I mean, she was there for like two lines of dialogue. She was in that football game, but like, and she's in the top five of gains. Come on. 
Fifth place in gains goes to the 26-year-old recruiting coordinator from the source, Dallas, Texas, Sierra Jackson. She gained 3.6K this week for her dollhouse and tattle play, (laughs) bringing her to 8.3K total. (laughs) And now for our top five total Instagram chart. As of today, February 3rd, still no one has joined the 100K club yet. Coming in at number one, the bartender from the LA Icons, Genevieve Parisi, maintains the lead at 59K. In second place, it's the 28-year-old wedding videographer from Virginia Beach. Once again, the disappeared Susie Evans. She has second place at 53.8K. In third, a newcomer to the top five chart, real estate advisor Elizabeth Corrigan with 38.8K total. Flight instructor Rachel Recchia comes in fourth place at 35.5K total. And the LA icon, Cougar social media director and night one girl Jane Pike still holds on to fifth place at 34.2K. And now we're going to cover a little bit of TikTok. The top five TikTok chart as of February 3rd, 2022, almost unchanged since last week. Top spot is Daria Rose, the 24-year-old law student and night one girl from Baldwin, New York. She has 39.6K followers. Susie Evans in second with 18.3K. Third place, we're looking at Lindsay Windham, the 28-year-old industrial sales rep from Houston, Texas. She's got 11.7K. Claire Heilig, the 28-year-old spray tanner slash night one girl, has 8.9K. And rounding out the top five, this is the only change to the charts. Joining us in this illustrious group is real estate advisor Elizabeth Corrigan at 8.2K with a huge gain of 7.8K this week because of a certain video that we will be discussing a little bit later. Oh, yes. And that rounds out all the gains that are reported for this week. Now we're going to move on to discussing all of those luscious tids And God, there were some luscious ones this week. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, the biggest event of the week, perhaps the year. The Aya Kanetti child is among us. On Monday, January 31st, new dad Jared Iaconetti posted to his Instagram that, quote, baby Dawson is here and healthy. Ashley is recovering and doing well. It really couldn't have gone much smoother. The official Bachelor in Paradise Instagram account was quick to claim responsibility and ownership over not only the new Iaconetti family, but also the newest member of the Gottschalk family by posting images of all involved players along with their new children with a caption that read, feeling nothing but pure joy, welcoming our 2022 babies, (laughs) Dawson and Gates. Uh, Heart head emoji. Congratulations to at Raven Nicole Gates. Camera emoji at Adam Godschalk at Ashley I. Kennedy camera emoji and at Jared Highbon on the newest members of the Bachelor family heart emoji. So nothing here but pure ownership. These are our babies. It is part of the Bachelor family. Fuck your families. If you guys were interpreting that that post correctly, it said fuck your families. <laughs> <laughs> that was the subtext for sure. The subtext. <laughs> 
Although the Aya Kennedy's child's name was premiered on Amazon Live earlier this week, it seems an amendment has been made in light of recent events in the NFL. With the retirement of the greatest quarterback of all time and Jared Iaconetti's personal hero, Tom Brady, their child's new name was revealed on Jared's Instagram as Dawson Dimitri Brady Highbond. We wish the Iaconettis well, and we hope that Jared, who was wearing a Tom Brady hoodie in the birthing room, can find a new football guy to be the target of his adoration. This shit blew my mind that they he slotted Brady into this child's name. They premiered his name on Amazon Live. It was just Dawson Dimitri Highbon. And they told uh-huh. us that D- Dimitri was like a family name and Dawson was named after the Leonardo DiCaprio character in Titanic. Then Tom Brady retires 24 hours before this new baby is born. And now in I in Highbon's Instagram account, the official name is Dawson Dimitri Brady Highbon, DDBH. I cannot believe he got Brady into this, and yet I can. <laughs> it is the one thing he's asked for in their entire relationship, I'm guessing. Well, here's kind of what I think maybe went down. The what are we gonna call the baby conversation has been happening since she got pregnant, maybe even since before. They were they've been selecting names, mm-hmm. thinking about it, thinking about it. And he's always been trying to get Brady in there from the beginning, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I don't want Tom Brady to be a part of our baby, please. It's cool that you have the fandom and it's fine, it's mm-hmm. fine, it's fine. Then it starts all playing out. And this man retires. And Jared Iconetti's, uh fandom of Brady is not usual. He's very into this man. I mean, what is this picture we're looking at? <laughs> what is this? We have a picture that we're looking at uh, that is all over the internet right now and on their various Instagrams. It's Ashley Iaconetti laying in bed at the hospital. Jared is there with his mask pulled down around his chin in a Tom Brady hoodie with a backwards baseball cap on and their baby is being held aloft by a doctor just off frame and the baby's genitalia is covered by a <laughs> cutout of Tom Brady's face. So that's where we're at with the fandom of Brady. This is an image... That I would have guessed you would have made in anticipation of the baby. Yes, I, it does look like a meme I made. It seems like a, a fake meme. Yeah, it's astounding. The baby is screaming. Jared Iaconetti has clearly made this this meme. But the fact that Brady retired the day, basically the day their son was born, I think that Jared was able to use that in the argument to be like, look, you got a Leonardo DiCaprio character to be in the name of our baby. My favorite human mm-hmm. being of all time who's given me so much joy and I've watched all these games. He just retired. It mm-hmm. feels almost symbolically fitting that his name be shoehorned into the four names of our child. Can I get a second yeah. middle name, please? He's like, he makes all of my clothing. <laughs> I am just so glad with the first name. I love Dawson's Creek and... Mm-hmm. I am very glad they named their child after Dawson, who (laughs) was a lead character who infamously stayed a virgin until season five of a seven season show. You don't see often a lead character remain a virgin for so long. And Dawson Leary played his PVC early and often, just like Ashley Iaconetti, a beautiful homage, whether it's outright stated or not. I choose to believe it's a Dawson's Creek baby. Do you think Jared Iaconetti will give the nickname to their child, Tom? 
Do you think he'll just call him Tom every once in a while? <laughs> no. Well, time will tell. I think I think he has I think he is like second middle name level of power in this relationship. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen a Tom Dawson Dimitri Brady high bond. I would have liked to have seen that be the official mm. name with a bunch of hyphens. Tom Brady Dawson Dimitri high bond. It rolls off the tongue. Absolutely. But congratulations to the newest member of this Bachelor Nation family. We're happy that Dawson Dimitri Brady Highbon is now among us, and we wish them all the best. Moving on. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, more information has surfaced about the identities of the family of strangers featured in this week's game during the Bystander Banquet in Rachel Recchi's one-on-one day with pizza enthusiast and ultimate Viking Clayton Eckerd. The nation was led to believe that Eckerd and Rekia happened upon a family of barbecuing strangers in the Houston force. But in fact, these bystanders were none other than the proprietors of one of Houston's most well-known and beloved barbecue restaurants, Blood Brothers Barbecue. Robin Wong, who was featured with a baseball cap in the document, explained that for some unknown reason, ABC decided to blur out the logo of the restaurant in the document effectively eliminating any benefit they might have gotten from their appearance. It's unknown why ABC and the producers would have made this decision in favor of the utterly confusing and nonsensical narrative that this was a random family of strangers who are more than happy to share a catered barbecue feast with two amateur horse riders and a camera crew. We hope Robin and everyone from Blood Bros had a fun time being an integral part of the document even if they did get shortchanged by ABC and the producers. I'll never understand why they blurred that out. It literally makes no No. sense to me, other than having control over it or something, or they're trying to promote the narrative that this was just a family and they are genuinely interested in talking about how many kids they want to have with these two weirdos. I think it makes just as much sense to be like, this is a Houston local favorite. Like, let's indulge in the culture of the Houstonian forests. Of course. That's exactly what they, it would have made so much more sense. And now you hear this information that it's like, oh, and they also fuck these people over. It's like, it's terrible. It's shitty. Yeah. But now if I ever go to Houston, I will be going to Blood Bros and I will get some love advice. I'll be like, this is what you're most famous for, right? How many kids should I have? (laughs) I have a 30 minute conversation (laughs) with you about children and I'll also have the brisket. Up next in Bachelor Nation news, company player, co-host of Bachelor Happy Hour, and big body trash can partner, Becca Kufrin, will be hosting (laughs) Bachelor Live on stage in the coming months as the show begins its 41-stop tour around the country. This week, the players who will be delivering Bachelor duties on these various stages were announced. One half of the most memorable dynamic duo from BIP Season 7, Aaron Clancy's other half, James Bonsall, has been tapped as a pseudo-bachelor, along with Tabletop Rick Leach, Connor the Catman Brennan, Ivan the non-Christian cell phone finder Hall, Justin the disappeared runner-up <laughs> Blaze, Andrew the hallway Huju Spencer, and Rodney the underdog Matthews. It is still unknown which of these players will play the role of bachelor in which cities, so you'll have to show up to find out. Those are great nicknames. Thank you. For those unfamiliar with the format of Bachelor Live on stage, members of the live audience are pulled on stage where they will meet one of these mentioned players as Kufrin will approximate a DLH-style role with questions and suggestions for on-stage dates. The Bachelor Live on stage is a unique opportunity for fans to get an in-person version of the game and to meet up with other members of the fandom in a real-life setting. You never know who you might be rubbing elbows with in the audience. 
dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Next up, there is one star player from BIP Season 7, notably not included in the Bachelor Live onstage roster, and that's because he's happily engaged. Kenny, Kenneth Brash, and his bride-to-be, Mari Pepin, have taken their relationship that started in the boom-boom room of paradise to the next level by signing a new lease together on an apartment in Chicago. Pepin, who lives in Maryland currently, expressed her excitement at moving to Chicago to be with her fiancé. She will be a great addition to the Chicago clout, who will gain 306,000 followers when she moves in with the best voluntary nudity player the game has ever seen, Kenny Brash, who has 307,000 Instagram followers of his own. Congrats to these two Paradise All-Stars on taking the next step. Speaking of burgeoning relationships within the nation... Former finger-pointing bachelorette Claire Crawley has told various Bachelor coverage outlets that she's letting her post-Mossian relationship with another player from her season, Blake Monar, grow organically. The duo have been posting various images and videos of the time they're spending together to their social media accounts. Will they go the distance, or will this relationship born from the document meet a similar end to every other one Crawley has found herself in? Time will tell. If it ends, does she pivot to someone else from her dating pool of that season? <laughs> like, ha- I hope so. I'm so curious to find out what happens to Claire Crawley in the long run, who she does wind up with, if it is going to be Monar or some other player or a civilian. I'm very curious. But that wraps up all the tids that are fit for publishing this week. And now it's time to move on to discussing all those plays that our beautiful players are making in the metaverse. This is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. This week, we were deluged with a ton of incredible parasocial plays at once. It appears Bachelor Nation is stepping it up in honor of second Christmas. Olympian sprinter and more importantly, Bachelor Season 26 player Marlena Wesh posted a hilarious POV Instagram reel. When you win the Super Bowl championship on level four of the Bachelor games with the caption, really enjoyed trying out for the NFL on tonight's episode of the Bachelor Olympics, tag your favorite NFL team. This reel has 10.6K views. Harvard grad, UPenn MBA, UNC doctor, and more importantly, Bachelor Season 26 player Kira Mengistu once again made a solid parasocial play on Instagram by chiming in on the body diversity issue that's been going around Bachelor Nation. She discusses how weight loss does not equal health. This Instagram reel has 473 likes and 21.9K views. She made another reel talking about CTE in which she tots in an NFL jersey. Love what Kira is doing. All those degrees are paying off. That's right. A couple hours after Dawson Iaconetti was born, Ashley Iaconetti made him watch The Bachelor on camera for her Instagram story. She captioned it, Dawson, you wouldn't be here without that show on the screen. And neither would we. This man's first moments breathing oxygen on planet Earth. Mm Mm-hmm were while he was watching The Bachelor. There's something strangely poetic about him being born on a Monday night that The Bachelor is... I mean, 
It's all too much. It's all too strange for me in some ways. And his father's in the NFL gear. <laughs> all of it. It's just, oh God, that that uh, IG story was, it really hit me hard. But let's move on. Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell <laughs> performed a joint parasocial play in which they traveled to Auburn University to cheer on Suni Lee, his Dancing with the Stars partner at the NCAA Auburn versus Alabama gymnastics meet. James wore an Auburn dad t-shirt. Nice play from Matt James, our 25th bachelor, or I should say our season 25 bachelor. Love this wholesome content. Wow. Dr. Joe Park saved all of the medicine caps he used to treat patients during the pandemic. The light blue caps treated patients' pain. Orange caps kept patients comfortable at ease. White caps from antibiotics, which kept patients free of infection. And he made a beautiful piece of art that he says is very meaningful for him, which he posted on his Instagram main grid. There are four slides, including the art and time-lapse videos of him making them. The post has 9K likes and 276 comments. What was the art? So it's a couple different images. Number one is Patty. This is a depiction of a nameless, genderless, ageless healthcare worker wearing PPE to represent the myriad of backgrounds we all come from. I tried to convey sadness on this person's face, this being the overarching emotion I've felt during this time. But oddly enough, I'm happy I feel sad. Sadness tells me my heart is still warm, that I still care. Sadness from those gone too soon remind me to appreciate the people I love, to savor the happy and even the not-so-happy moments, and if nothing else, sparks reflection. The Latin word written on this person's mask is patty, which means suffering or enduring, and is the root for the word compassion. This word was first formulated thousands of years ago, helping me appreciate all of the war, famine, pandemics mankind has endured and overcome. This current period has no doubt been marked with suffering, and all of us have had to endure so much. This has especially taken a toll on healthcare workers and is manifested in an illness, now officially recognized by the WHO, called burnout and compassion fatigue. This ailment isn't always obvious or visible. I tried to make it more obvious on this person with the red rash-like caps on their face. I know many of us feel paralyzed and helpless, but most of us keep doing what we've been trained to do and fight alongside our patients, all of us doing our best to not go gentle into that good night. To be compassionate is to endure and suffer at times. And in that way, suffering may not always be such a bad thing. Prayer hands. The second is Great Wave on a Starry Night. Hokusai featuring Van Gogh combined two of the most popular pieces of art to make the most basic piece of art ever. Thanks to all my colleagues who helped collect these caps. Dang. He's an artist and a scholar. Dang. And a doctor. Is there anything this man can't do? He also won the New York City Marathon. He had the best time of anyone who ran it. We know that for fact. How is this man not The Bachelor? Uh, well, I think the thing that we do at the end of every episode when we ask how many days it's been without an Asian bachelor might have something to do with it. You tell me. I know. I'm just saying, like, this guy's a hero. Speaking of somebody who was the bachelor, uh... Ari Lyondike Jr. got a vasectomy <laughs> and he vlogged it. <laughs> While using a bold picture choices clickbait on the video in which he's in a mask and hospital gown, lying on a table, on, or sorry, lying down on a medical chair and an off-camera person holds a large pair of scissors up to his junk, which is covered by a large cringe teeth emoji. Vasectomy vlog, ouch, currently has 151.2K views and 3.5K likes. And oh my That's God. the title of the YouTube video. Vasectomy vlog, dot, 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 ouch. I love it. In a bachelor first, 
our crown, Clayton Eckerd posted an apology to Elizabeth Corrigan on Twitter. This was appears to be written in the notes app. And he also put the screenshot in his Instagram stories. The apology reads, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, for what you're going through. I wish I could have seen what was happening when I wasn't there. I obviously knew y'all weren't in a good place, but at the time I thought it was solely petty drama. I would have sent Shanae home immediately for making fun of you for being neurodivergent had I known. Overall, the experience for me watching hasn't been fun simply because I'm seeing all the damage that I caused. I really meant well, but my actions weren't always the best as I now can see the repercussions from my decisions. I can promise you I'm learning from the mistakes though and I'm doing everything in my power to come out the other side a better man. This tweet has 10.9K likes and 318 retweets. Have we ever seen anything like this? Oh no, I never have. I (laughs) saw this. And I I reread it like a hundred fucking times. I just don't understand what's going on here. He is taking responsibility for not kicking off Shanae and kicking off Elizabeth instead. There's so many weird ideas in this. One, that he made that decision. He didn't. The producers need Shanae. She's a villain. They're building to a two-on-one. We all know this. So they tell him, keep her, get rid of Elizabeth. He's getting rid of Elizabeth because she's not his ring winner. None of these other players are, other than probably Susie or Rachel Reckia at this point, we think. And so the producers are just arranging them in whatever pattern is most beneficial to the show that they're making. So even if he doesn't kick off Elizabeth here, he's kicking her off in the next round or the next round or whenever. So mm-hmm. is it worse to keep her there knowing that, well, she's not my ring winner, but I'll I'll string her along for as long as I can? Is that a better thing to do to somebody in the course of this game than kick them off when you know they're not? I mean... It, it just, none of this makes sense. No. It seems very company play to me, but it also seems like he's probably just getting a mountain of horrible DMs from the fourth audience. And he's like, fuck, I really fucked up. He's taking this shit sincerely when he doesn't realize like he's a pro wrestler. <laughs> this is just his story. Or does he? Is he a genius? And this is a part of it. I think again, he needs to not read the comments and the DM. Like it's not, it's not good for your mental health to be reading all that any lead is going to get tons and tons of hate. That's just our beloved game. Absolutely. Don't read it. And when you're getting this type of shit, your only move, if you're listening to us, Clayton, is this. No apologies. Pizza TikToks. <laughs> yeah, you just do pizza t- <laughs> You spell out the apology in pepperonis on a big pizza and then you eat a bite of it. I'm sorry, Yeah, Lizzie. I'm, <laughs> No, you don't fucking apologize. You say, this is my journey. I'm doing the best I can. It's a weird situation. Please cut me some slack. And I hope you're having fun watching the show. That's it. That's the whole deal. I mean, he's responding to like this. I don't want to say miracle. What's a miracle that's more neutral? (laughs) This phenomenon, which is the members of the nation taking what they see on the document as reality, as Clayton making any of these decisions. I mean, as we talked about in our interview earlier, it is astounding how many people will just believe what is presented to them. And also the ownership level of like, I would have kept Elizabeth and not Shanae. Like maybe he feels he has a better connection with Shanae than Elizabeth. Supposedly, this is his decision. It's not who would America date. Exactly. And the idea that, you know, he's kind of putting in here, watching it back is hard and it hasn't been a good experience because then you do get to see like the things that are said when you're not there. 
the things that producers are never going to help you with over the course of shooting because Mm -hmm. they don't want you to know those things. So he's kind of referencing that. But in the end, yeah, it doesn't, the whole show is the lead. If you're believing it to be real, the lead is making Mm -hmm. all of these decisions per whatever they feel. No one should have any judgment about it. If that's what you're truly watching the show for, if you are for TRR as a fourth audience member, you should never have any complaint about anything the lead does because that's what the the premise of the show is. That's their journey. Exactly. Yeah. Well, an astounding play, but unfortunately, it was not as good as the next play we have to discuss. Indeed. There can only be one winner. And the winner for our parasocial play of the week goes to... Elizabeth Corrigan. She posted a series of swan song content this week after she went home, in which she had organized a full-on bachelorette-style photo shoot for herself, complete with evening gowns, throwing rose petals above her head, posing on the ground with her hair covered in rose petals. She posted these images on Instagram, which, conspiracy town, have now been deleted. But more importantly, she posted the video on TikTok to the sound Roses by Outcast. She throws rose petals over her head in the video with the narration, This isn't goodbye, Bachelor Nation. It's see you later. Love, Elizabeth. This video has 67.9K likes, 1.1K comments, and 1.4 million views. And so far, the producers haven't made her take this one down. This play resulted in the highest TikTok gain we saw this week, adding 7.8K to her 403 TikTok followers to give her 8.2K total. It also resulted in her gaining 25.3K on Instagram, bringing her to 38.8K, up from 13.5K last week, giving her the highest Instagram gain and the third highest total on Instagram. Congratulations to Corrigan on this astounding play and engagement. This to me, I mean, the play, of course, is fantastic. What it really illustrated was that although certain things are changing in our beloved game as we're moving into what is the gore era and we have professional players through and through and all of this, some things stay the same. And that is, if you're a victim, it's a very good thing to be in our beloved game. She has turned this victim play into a massive parasocial gain here. I It was perfect. This video was fucking perfect. It's like, I should be Bachelor now because I've been victimized. But it also leads us to believe like, ah, she might be on Paradise, whatever. She's going to be back. She's established herself as an important figure in this season with this because she has been a victim of Shanae's, uh mean comments. And also because Clayton issued this apology at the same time, he's basically acknowledging the victimhood. He is justifying it. It was just a brilliantly played uh, moment, really, by her, I think, this week. Astounding play. And also, it sets up, we really want to hear from her at Women Tell All. Mm -hmm. She's basically hitting that again and again on Twitter as well with some of her plays of, like, get ready for what my appearance is going to be. And I love that. I could potentially see her getting a hot seat out of this. Absolutely. I mean, the hot seats that we know we're going to see are Shanae. She's getting the villain hot seat. We're going to mm-hmm. see whoever, depending on when they do the women tell all. If, fourth place. Yeah, fourth place or third place, we'll get a heartbreak hot seat. And then there's a Clayton hot seat. And then there's usually another hot seat, sometimes two. Who are those going to be? Does Cassidy Timbrooks get one? Elizabeth is going to get one, mm-hmm. I think. 
I think Shanae gets over Cassidy for villain. I'm not sure they would do two villains. Yeah. But I can definitely see Elizabeth Corrigan getting one. I can too. Based on all of this. I agree with you. Although the making her delete the video from Instagram is like, it's weird to me. Because she didn't use like the word, the bachelorette, like I'm the next bachelorette or anything. It was just rose petals. And it said, see you later. But it was a very bachelorette promo feel. And they probably didn't yeah. like that. And that's it. Take it down. It was like uh, Mike Johnson's April Fool's joke where he posted his fake Bachelor promo and said, it's about damn time. Yeah. But congratulations to Elizabeth. This play was really, so far, it's the biggest parasocial play of this season. And we're curious to see if Mm -hmm. anybody can top it. I mean, 1.4 million views. That's gigantic. I think we'll see something from Susie Evans. Mm. She's also had some video taken down as well. Interesting. They're taking down stuff. Yeah. They just don't understand social media, clearly. Yeah. But let's move on to some players who do understand social media. These are our non-human players. We're going to talk about some creatures. (laughs) So this week, we had a bunch of great parasocial creature play. We had the Denver High DJ Blake Horseman revealing that he's keeping one of the puppies. And he asked the fourth audience to pick the name. We have Denver High newlyweds Ben and Jessica Higgins welcoming a new pup, Waylon, home. We had Jason Tardick posting a funny TikTok called Parenting Pino. We had the great one, Nick Vial, celebrating Jeff's first beach day with the carousel of pictures and videos of Jeff on the beach. And we had another play. There can be only one parasocial creature of the week. And this week, the award goes to Nate Olakoya's dog, Percy. The pup launched his very own Instagram account this week with a bio that reads English Cocker Spaniel, February 21st, 2021. That was his birthday. He is named after Perseus, the Greek hero. Percy has already amassed 1,396 followers, and we expect to see big gains for this hound as he adds to what is currently a single post on his main grid, which is a two-slide offering featuring the canine superstar licking Nate's hand. Congrats, Percy, on branching out and doing your own thing. You should have done it during the course of Bachelorette Season 18 when Nate was at the height of his parasocial (laughs) power, but better late than never, and we can't wait to see what you do in the parasocial creature game. Get those uh, charminants offshoot gains. <laughs> That's right. Get it where you can. And now it's time to move on to that segment in our program in which Pace Case and I descend deep into the darkest waters of the pit to issue forth our screams about how our fandom of this show has affected our daily lives in some ways good, some ways less than good. This is Screams from the Pit! My scream this week is that I am being targeted by one specific member of Bachelor Nation, and that member is Wills Reed, a.k.a. at Will Safine on Instagram. 50% of my Instagram ads are now at Will Safine speaking directly to camera to me in a paid partnership with a therapy company saying, are you ever frustrated with where you are in life? There's insert therapy company's name. And this is very strange because he was one of my favorite players on Becca Kufrin's 14th Bachelorette season and on his short runs on BIP 5 and 6. I'm happy he's getting the bag. He's at 103K followers now. But it is very eerie (laughs) just having this content that feels directly created for me. Is your mental health hurting because of your life that centers around The Bachelor now? 
here's a bachelor player to tell you how to get therapy. It's incredible targeting, ad targeting. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I would say within 10 years, every ad you see will be targeted to you using a celebrity that you like, and they won't have mm-hmm. even recorded the ad. It will be a blank it'll fucking... Dawson Brady. Yeah, basically, but it'll be deep faked. And so your phone will be able to see which celebrities you spend the most time looking at, and those celebrities will be the ones who give you your ads. And that's how celebrities are going to make ad money. It'll be how many times does your face get used in an ad, and that money gets sent straight to the Mm, celebrity. I can't wait. I'm ready to sell my likeness. Uh, You're already doing it. Wait, how? Instagram.com. Anything that you do on social media, any pictures you're posting of yourself or mm. forms of advertising. They're they're promoting traffic this way or that way. But eventually, it's literally going to be you're just getting checks. It, it'll be like royalties that when they place your song on Spotify, it'll be they're using your face in an ad. Here's your two cents or whatever. Great. My scream this week. What's your scream, Clues? It involves something that I talked about in the interview in this very episode. I mm. have kind of started slacking. In the beginning of our endeavors here in the pit... I was very interested in acquiring artifacts and pieces of art made by players from our beloved game or used in the actual document. And I mm-hmm. I went to great lengths in some cases to try to acquire some of these things. And yes. I wound up really only acquiring one thing, which was a <laughs> painting done by Alex Dillon, who was a sloth on season 23. Uh, yeah. Munica is the name of this painting. She now, she now overlooks my living room. She's hanging proudly on my wall. Pitt, it's me, Munica. You haven't heard from me in a while. I can't believe it. She, There she is. She's talking right to us. But back in a prior season, I sent a DM to a player who had acquired a certain item within the document, within the game. And I inquired as to if I could potentially acquire this. Mm-hmm. And now that DM was answered a few days ago. And so I don't think I'm going to be able to acquire that item, but it has reinvigorated in me that fire to acquire items. And I just started putting together a little list Mm -hmm. of the items that I would want to acquire. And uh, I spent a lot of time on this list, more time than I care to admit. But I'm going to read to you just some highlights. This is not the full list, but this is just kind of how I went in the list. It was any costume that any players have ever worn in an obstacle course group date, including the squirrel costumes of season 25. Any jersey yeah. that any players have worn on a forced violence group date. We're talking about football jerseys, rugby jerseys, mm. any of the outfits that the ladies on season 23. The bowling group date. Oh, God. I would love to have one of those bowling shirts. Any of that. The crystal that was waved over Blake Moyne's penis to give him an erection on a one-on-one date with Tasha at the end of the regular season of Bachelor season 16. I don't know where that crystal is. Love to have it. I would also love to have Blake Moyne's penis sculpture. The blacked out one. Mm, yeah. Okay. Where is it? I don't know. I would also love to have the mason jar that Desiree Hartsock chugged the first goat milk in the history of the game from on a group date in Bachelor <laughs> Season 17. I don't know where that exact mason jar is, but it's somewhere. Some of these seem harder to get than others. <laughs> yes. The thermal blankets that Tierra Lacazzi was wrapped in after her polar bear plunge IFI. Don't know where those are, but I'd love to have it. Uh-huh. See, unfortunately, I think some of these were not treated as artifacts, so they might be tough to recover. They might be. One that's definitely an artifact 
came from Bachelor Season 25. We're talking about Victoria Larson's notebook that she wrote the erotic story in on Matt James' season. I want that notebook. Mm. That would be amazing. Uh, Popeye's wings that were given to Hannah Brown and then given back to him by her at the beginning of his season. I think those specific wings are interesting. I don't know where they are, who has them. Of course, Jojo Jojo's unicorn head. That is, to me, mm. the greatest Todd of all time. That would be displayed yeah. proudly in my home like I would mount it as though it was a hunted animal. <laughs> And you did hunt it. Yeah, exactly. It's in one way or another. The volleyball from the disastrous group date in Nick Vial's season when he made all the players cry during the beach volleyball game because he demanded oh, they keep score. Yeah. I would love that volleyball. Great date. I mean, Vial has a bunch of artifacts, but probably the one I want most from uh-huh. Vial is the vial of sand that he gave to Andy Dorfman in that season. Mm-hmm. Somewhere that exists. She might have it. I don't know. Vial's vial. And... Uh, I would love to get... This is now going back to the the history, these final two objects. One of the white group date roses from season four that was a precursor to the real group date rose. Mm-hmm. There were only four in existence. I would love to have one of those. If any of the players out there who have them want to get rid of it, here I am. And of course, <laughs> season five, going all the way back to season five, what I would consider potentially the most valuable artifact in the history of the game. And I believe Trish Schneider might still have it the first ever first impression rose. Ooh. I would love to have that. That would be a great item. I want her uh, gold digger t-shirt that she wore. Yeah, that'd be a cool one too. <laughs> but I mean, there are, there are a million different items that I was coming up with. These were just mm-hmm. kind of some of the funnier ones or some of the more interesting ones. And that is my scream from the pit. I am now making checklists for a collection that I will never complete. That's beautiful, but maybe this list will inspire others to donate to your cause. Oh, perhaps. They'll be like, wow, I hear your scream. It makes me sad, so here's my <laughs> trinket. Yeah, I would love to have any date cards, any fantasy suite mm-hmm. room keys or fantasy suite cards, anything like that. Any little things from dates, any little like you you have to hit a pinata and a message drops out of it, one of those messages or something, anything of that nature. Ooh, Raven's notebook paper where she traded her secrets. The letter that the child army gave to Clayton. Oh, that's invaluable. I don't have that kind of money. But now those are our screams. Let's move on to another scream. If you are in the bottom of the pit with us and you're in our Patreon account, you have access to our Discord channel. There you can submit your screams to us. They have to be a minute or less. And we play the best ones here. This screen we're about to play for you now comes from a user named James Canal 36. Here it is. Hi, I'm James, and here's the loudest scream that I've probably ever had. I was on a second date with a very lovely guy um, who I'm still getting to know, so I haven't really talked to him about The Bachelor yet. I figured I would get to that when it feels relevant. Um, So flash forward to the end of the night, we've had an incredible date, and we're in a taxi together, and there's a commercial on the taxi TV, and it's for a cooking show where someone is cooking shrimp. They do a close-up shot on the shrimp, and I have to blurt out, shrimp gate! And he looks at me so confused, and I felt compelled to elaborate, so I started trying to explain what shrimp gate is, and then explaining my experience in watching The Bachelor and realized I was far too intoxicated to make any of this make sense and how ridiculous Shrimpgate is in and of itself. Um, So yeah, I guess my scream from the pit is that Shrimpgate overcame me and against my better judgment, I had no choice but to make it a discussion topic on my second date with a guy I'm trying to impress. This is my scream. Thank you. First of all, James, I just have to say, 
I'm horribly offended that you called it Shrimp Gate and not the Shrimp War. Uh. <laughs> That's where I start with my... James has consumed the sauce. I can't believe it. It is Shrimp Gate. But this is a pretty high-level scream. I have to say that just on your first viewing of an image of a shrimp, you have to then explain to your date what Shrimp Gate is. That's that's pretty deep into the pit, I must admit. <laughs> I love through these screams that it appears that Clues and I are ruining dates left and right. All the possible romances. Wait a minute. He didn't say this date was ruined. He didn't say it was ruined. No, we actually don't know what happened. Yeah. I'd love to hear a follow-up scream. Is there a second date? I'm curious, James, what happened. I love the... um, the phrase being compelled to elaborate because I feel like that is like what being in the pit is. It like it overtakes you and you're not even in charge of the conversation anymore. You're just like, well, I have to explain shrimp gate now. It's unreal. But I'm at a point where like if I had to explain shrimp gate, I would still have to go back to like at least champagne gate to at least explain that, you know, and then I might as well go back further. I found myself going like time traveling back to season one to explain just like some random tweet that somebody fucking made in a contemporary season to people. And it's like, that's how I see the game. I see it all connected. The history builds upon itself until we arrive at whatever contemporary event it is. So this is, again, a high level scream. The highest level? No. You got some some ways to go. You got some distance to get to the bottom of the pit, but this is definitely deep in the pit. There, there's no two ways about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, at our, at our book signing celebratory party, I gave out some white roses to my friends and I explained. I was like, well, these ones are white because you see during the experimental era, they did My friends were just like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, no one gives a shit except us. <laughs> oh, by the way, mini scream is that someone dressed their two children up as Pikachu and took a picture of them reading the book this week and tagged us on Instagram and it made my day. <laughs> I saw that image. It was beautiful. But we cannot thank you enough, James, for sending in this scream. It is very funny. Yeah. And we hope that the date went well, despite of this or maybe because of this we don't know maybe you'll make shrimp on your next date and it'll be like a fun inside joke that you tell your grandchildren about and please drag your date into the pit the more the merrier all are welcome that's a line from poltergeist thank you that's another like 35 year old movie anyways (laughs) cc tyler cameron get on this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when they make the Poltergeist reality show. C.C. Tyler's manager. A great opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, when they make the Poltergeist reality show on Fox, I'll be sure to sign up for that. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week in Fashion We hope you've enjoyed everything that we have had to offer here. And thanks again to our very special guests up top in our Welcome to the Pit segment, the hosts of She's All Batch, Stephanie Parker and Jackie Maroney. You can find them all over Instagram and definitely go check out their podcasts. Uh, they're just doing stellar work. By the way, that's spelled S-H-E-S-A-L-L-B-A-C-H. Batch like bachelor. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,256 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 